Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy, druids. In cars. Going to festivals. Hey. Sorry. Reorganizing all of my notes on what topic we're going to do next. So, magical substitutions it is. So, I'm an avid baker and an avid cook. And one of the things that you have to do when you uh, do those things is make substitutions where needed, uh season with your heart and I think that mentality carries over really well into magical work uh yeah (laughs) I think it does personally I just tend to overuse things like garlic and vanilla extract season with your heart (laughs) no I'm pretty sure I'm overusing (laughs) it's not a bad thing mind you um but yeah, I mean, a, a recipe is designed for you to understand the basics. They're like guidelines, really. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not designed to be done exactly the same way every time, I don't think. I mean, like, baking recipes sometimes are, because if you get those ratios wrong, you're not going to end up with bread. Well, but... <laughs> but what you add to those things, you know, is kind of up to you. Yeah, there's lots of room for experimentation and, you know, changing stuff around. Yep. And, you know, occasionally royally screwing it up. Yeah. Well, those things are possible with baking. And magic is, you know, not all that different in many ways. So, usually when people think about substitutions... They, they're looking at, you know, old, old magical recipes, the, the kinds you find in ancient grimoires where they talk about the, the specific things that you require. Um, and, you know, maybe they're not all that old. Maybe they're just spellbooks produced in the last 10 years or so. You get those two. Or, you know, plastered onto the internet. <laughs> those are my favorite, personally. Where they require you to use a red candle or a, um, you know, a, a particular kind of ink, that's blood ink or something like that. Or require you to have a hyena skin. <laughs> yep, a hyena skin or the, the skin of a rail um, in the case of some Icelandic uh, stuff, which is a type of water bird apparently. Okay. Um, the, uh, yeah, there, there's all that kind of stuff. And so when you start out looking at magic, you often find that it's asking you to have things that you don't have. Or in the case of, you know, 
the Greek magical papyri I don't want to have. Or simply do not exist anymore. Like, sometimes there's plants or animals that they call for that, like, good they're, luck. They're extinct. <laughs> they're extinct. Or endangered, even worse. Yeah. Um, or, you know, metals that are just too expensive to obtain. Mm-hmm. All of those things are possible. And, and some of that is because those spells are written occasionally to be just undoable. If you have a really super powerful spell and no one can get all the stuff together to do it... Um, then it makes sense that it would never work, right? Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, magicians for all of time have, I believe, tended to have inflated egos about themselves and found ways to inflate those egos by uh, doing stuff that nobody else can do. And, you know, if you do things like request precious metals and things that cannot be obtained, then it falls back onto the person who requested the spell for failure. And, oh darn, I also have these precious metals that someone... (laughs) gave me to do the work. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons that some of the things that are requested for magical spells are requested. I also just generally kind of fall into this category of, like, I am not a witch. Like, I am, you know, I'm very solidly pagan, but I'm not, I don't do a lot of the things associated with witchcraft, which means that I don't like, I don't know what all the different herbs are and what their correspondences are, and I don't know what all the different rocks are and what their correspondences are. Uh, I can do colors because, like, that's more about what the meaning is, like, in your head, right? Um, but I don't, I don't keep track of a lot of that other stuff, and so for me, it's based on, a, like, a very sensory level and personal intent as opposed to like pre-written uh, or predetermined meanings and uses. Yeah, we, we get this a lot at the shop uh, where someone will come in and they'll be looking for a very specific thing. Um, usually something that either we can't get or is, um, you know, endangered. Um, or, or something weird like that, um, or is, you know, just out of stock at the time, and sometimes people get very upset when they can't get the particular thing that they, they want to have, um, for their magical work, and all that you can really do is make do with what you have and what's available to you, and it's that process that we, we try to guide people through, um, I, I, I like to tell people that when you look at what a spell requires, most of what it's asking you to obtain and what it's asking you to use and even do is designed to put you into a frame of mind that will allow your magic to work. And so when we talk about, you know, do things to manifest when the moon is coming into full, you know, um, do things to reduce when the moon is waning. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you're tied to the moon or particular star signs or anything like that. I think that if you 
need something, you can manifest it no matter what the moon is doing. But I think that if you have the time, the patience, and the ability to wait for those things to line up, at that point, you can put more effort into it and more planning. And the more effort and planning you put into anything, the more likely it is to work. Yeah, I, um, when I do, like, more minor magical stuff, it is seasoned with my heart. Um, but when I'm, like, if I know I'm doing a major magical working and, um, like, actually planning out what I'm going to do, it definitely, like, I will look into correspondences and I will, uh, think about all those things that generally aren't something I bother with. Yeah, and, and if I'm doing work for somebody uh, and, and I've got a long horizon, I'll do the same thing. You know, I'll say, you know, here's the auspicious hour for this thing. Do it then. You know, you're, you, you've got time and you're willing to invest the money. Here, here's the kind of figure candle you might want to have and here's the color you should get it in. If you can make it yourself, great. If not, you know go online, see what you can find, or stop by our shop and see what we've got. But I have never given instructions to anybody that says, hey, if you want to get this job, you must have a green candle uh, that is made out of beeswax that was formed on the sixth night of the new moon for this work. I've never, I've never done that. I have told people, you know, if you can get it, that's great. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I'm very specific with people that no, you can use a, a white birthday candle off of a, your kid's cake. I don't care. <laughs> um, but the more effort that you put into it, the more work that you do to get those things, the more likely you are to to put yourself into a state, a mental state, a magical state, where you are likely to succeed um, but that said there are a lot of things that you just can't get and there's a lot of things that doesn't make sense to try and get and when you're aiming to get something done seizing with the heart is the way to go yeah there's this really funny meme that I've seen which is it's broken down into like brand new witch uh, like experienced witch and has been doing this forever witch and, like, the, the brand new witch is, like, all of those super specific, here's the hour, here's the color, here's the herbs you need. And uh, then the experienced witch is, like, okay, so I don't have this, and I know I can substitute this thing, um, and it'll still work just fine. And then, and then the been doing this forever witch is, like, opens pantry, grabs random collection of spices, and, and some rocks off their altar, and it's good to go. <laughs> Yep. And I think that's how a lot of us do it. Um, we, 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 we make do with what we have. Um, and, you know, we, we like to mess around with those correspondences, I think. I enjoy it. I do, um, too. But I have never made my work dependent on it. And I don't think that... I don't think that there's a lot of value in diving into that dependence um, I think it's worthwhile to to learn 
at that level. But I think that those recipes that you find, particularly the ones that you find online, um, those are training wheels recipes more than anything else. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you can't do with them. And I will be honest with you, if you find a, a magical spell online, it is likely to be the least powerful spell you can possibly do. <laughs> because everybody does it. One of the key things about magic is that secrecy and keeping quiet about your techniques and allowing things to work through the dark is a useful thing. So I'm finding it super amusing that uh, your chaos magic side is like super coming out right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> it shines bright when I talk about this stuff. <laughs> All of the like, you have to hold it in your subconscious and then send it out to the universe and by forgetting about it, you move your will to make it happen. Like There is that. <laughs> that, that whole process of, you know, don't dwell on this stuff once you've done it. You know, that, that's all really important. But it, it, is, it is super important to me as, as a chaos magician, as a, a, a modern druid priest, as a store owner, um, that particularly the online spells, um, and, and to a lesser extent, the spells and books, those at least have been proofread, um, and, and are unlikely to be published by someone who hasn't at least looked to see if that thing that, that's going into the tea is poisonous. Um, hopefully, all of that kind of stuff is really... It's training wheels. There, there are a lot of cool things that you can do with those sorts of things, but you're not going to do powerful magic with something you find on the internet. You're not going to do powerful magic out of a book. Um, you're, you're not going to be a great baker by always following the recipe. Yeah, you got to make your own little adjustments um, based on experimentation, like where you slowly learn that, you know, half a teaspoon more of cinnamon really brings out the whatever. Um, and, and, and hell, the, your oven is different than the, you know, commercial oven that these things were tested in. Also, like I found out in my most recent bake, the back left corner of my oven is apparently hotter than the front right corner of my oven. Mm -hmm. So simple things like that can really change what you're what you're doing and like I totally understand now why they tell you in a lot of recipes to rotate the pan halfway through yep <laughs> yeah your, your oven is, is not consistent um and I don't know if we needs to hear this but you've heard it now uh, <laughs> the uh but you know the the situation that you are in is different than the situation of whomever it was who created uh, the spell work that you are in the process of actually doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that in and of itself makes the, the, the process of figuring out what to substitute and how to substitute and what works for you really important. And I, I think that the first thing that when I consider substitutions is can I obtain this thing? Um, if I can, 
then, you know, I, I can I can figure out what I'm going to do with it. I can say, all right, yes, I can I can make the or I, I can I can go out and buy this thing or I can I can make it, um, and it, it's not a big deal. And in those cases, if I grab the planning horizon, then I'll do it. Um, but if it's not something that I can make, or if I don't have time to make it, or get it shipped to me, or whatever the case may be, then it's right on to substitution. I, I don't spend any time worrying over the fact that I can't get everything that I want. Yeah. I just worry about making sure that I have what I need. Well, and I I have always had the most luck with magic when it is a spell that I've designed myself. Yep. And have put the effort into, like, figuring out exactly what the pieces I'm using are and what I want them to do. And um, just the, the, like, the planning of it is a huge part of that. Um, but then also just, like, I've done enough of it that the I can use applications from other things I've done to inform new work. Yes. And I think that's a, a big part of it is experience is is the key determiner of whether or not you can wing it and substitute yeah. or whether you can't. Now, there are some simple rules, I think, for how to substitute stuff. Um, and, and for me, those rules are... If it's asking for gold, you want something shiny and yellow. If it's asking for copper, you want something kind of orange and shiny. If it's asking for silver, you want maybe aluminum. All of these things can be substituted because they have the same basic property, which is reflective and bright in most cases. Well, and I think depending on what you're doing, you're also looking for something that has value. Yes. Um, and so, like, it, like if you're doing a like a scrying spell, it's more important for it to be reflective. Yeah. But if you're doing like a money come to me spell, it's more important that it have value because yeah. you're you're leaning on the like um, what's it called when the things go together. Um, sympathy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sympathetic magic. You're leaning on the sympathetic magic of here's a small thing of value to expand into more things of value. Yes. And in, in that case, if you're looking to replace silver there, I would get something that is silver plated. Yeah. Because it's really hard to find sterling silver these days. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly cheaply. Um, but, you know, if it's calling for silver... Dimes don't have silver content anymore, but they are money and they have value. Mm -hmm. So you can use a dime as your silver and not be terribly broken up about the fact that it doesn't actually have silver because it has that value piece right. to it. Colored candles are another thing that a lot of people are, are looking for. We, we have people come in looking specifically for, you know, a, a green figure candle of a, a woman, or a purple skull, or whatever it might be. Uh, and and yes, we can make those things. 
Um, but we don't stock them. We don't have them on the shelf. And so a lot of people will, will come in, oh, but, you know, here, here's my planning horizon, and it's, you know, tomorrow night when the moon is full. Um, I'll be like, well, then you, you need to shift, and you need to look for something. You, know, you need to look at what's here. Is the color important, or is the figure important? We have green candles that aren't women, and we have figure candles that aren't green. So, you know, which one do you want to do? Or do you want to have a green candle burning next to a white figure candle and, and, and use that? The thing about white candles, the cool thing about white candles is that white, of course, is a spectrum of colors, and it includes all those colors. So if you want, you can do that kind of substitution as well, if it's the color that's important. Um, we have far more white candles than anything else in the shop as a result of that. Um, white and black are the two main colors that we tend to get uh, or make. I will also just like to point out that uh, tissue paper comes in lots of colors. Sure does. And you can wrap a candle. But in... don't burn it while it's wrapped in the tissue paper. Maybe. Well, but if you just need like a green, like if you need it to include green, yeah. right? So you can tie it on, tie it on, or do the base of it on, or get a ribbon and tie it around it. Like there's. Yep. Absolutely. Um, seven day candles. You could actually paint the outside of them. Okay. So it might be white in the middle, but I mean, let's face it. I bought plenty of cheap candles when I was a cheap pagan. Um, many, many years ago, and they were white on the inside and green on the outside. And, <laughs> and seven-day candles you can get in a lot of grocery stores. You sure can. So, <laughs> um, If you hit up the, the ethnic foods aisles, you'll sometimes find them, at least where we are locally. Yeah. Um, and they may have saints on them, but those stickers come off if you don't want them there, or you just wrap them. You know, get some nifty wrapping paper. It's all good. <laughs> The, the big and hard things to substitute, um, even those you can usually manage. Like I, we mentioned earlier, the, the skin of a rail and what was this? Hy hyena, hyena skin, yeah. You know, you, you're unlikely to go out and skin your own hyena. Or even parchment, like yeah. actual hide parchment. Yeah, like a vellum or something yeah. like that. Yeah, It's made out of animal skin. Um, we sell that at the shop. I, Do you I, really? Yes. I've, I found a, uh, a an ethical supplier, which was super difficult. That's cool. And I, I'm so pleased with that. Also, papyrus. We have papyrus and vellum. Neat. Um, anyway, I'm totally <laughs> off track. I, I get excited about that sometimes. The, the reason that parchment was used is because it was paper. It was, You could read it. You could write on it. You could scrape it off at the end. We have paper and erasers now. You know, if you go to Staples or Office Max and buy a nice set of paper, you can even get it in linen. Ooh, ooh, you know what would be super cool? What? That I didn't even think about until just now? You know the friction pens? Yeah. That you can use on a... So, like, I have a Rocketbook, which is the, like, the special paper for the friction pens. Yeah. Um, that you can either erase the friction pens or you can, depending on what kind of book you have, you can either wipe it clean with water or they make one that you put in the microwave and it disappears. Ooh, that's sigil written all over. <laughs> um, so anyways, note to self for later. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
for a while, you could buy Zen uh, easels that basically you would dip your pen in water and draw on the, the easel, and then when it dried, it would, what you drew on it would disappear. And so, yeah, you could do kind of the same thing with that. They make those with kids' yep. water wow coloring books. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, but yeah, so, so even that kind of stuff, you can substitute or you can find fairly easy. Um, it may not be the skin of a hyena, um, but you can get skin and write on it. You can get the, the, the obvious vegan alternative. You can get you know, hemp papers and things like that and write on them. There's, there's all sorts of options um, that are not only easier to obtain, but significantly more environmentally sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the real basic message that I think both of us have is your substitutions are fine. If you think about them, you will come up with your own <laughs> They're even better. <laughs> yes, they are always better if you think about them. But planning is, planning is best. Your substitutions are fine. And don't worry about the fact that this particular spell seems impossible or difficult to obtain because, frankly, if it was written down and it's in some book somewhere or on the internet it's probably not the best spell for you anyway because you didn't write it yep thanks for listening and there's more to come we welcome your ideas and questions if there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org if you'd like to donate you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org, and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes, and let us pray with a good fire.